Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. This is USA Global TV, Dr. Jacqueline's Talking Heads program, and uh, uh, she's generously afforded me this opportunity to spend a half an hour with you to talk about something that I think is important to me and hopefully that you'll find important to you. Uh, her topic, the topic that we kind of discussed is uh, connecting the head with the heart as an element of generating, producing strong teams. So let me, I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit and um, also want to plug Lenny the Moose. That's Len, Len Libby Chocolates in Scarborough, Maine. I don't know if you've ever been there, and I'm not sure if they survived COVID. I'm kind of hoping they did. But in the middle of this store, they've got a, a frozen cold, solid, life-size chocolate mousse, literally a chocolate, a mousse made of chocolate, which uh, if you've got kids, they'll get a big kick out of, and even adults will get a big kick out of it. You're not allowed to touch it. You certainly can't reach out and lick it. But there it is, and they sell candies all around it. It's a wonderful store. And if you're in Scarborough, right near Portland, by the way, if you're in Scarborough or near Portland, you might want to swing by and take a look. So that's out of the goodness of my heart. It's a great store, and I have their coffee mug. All right, let's connect with the uh, connecting the head with the heart. Let's talk about that. I spent a good 20 years of my life managing projects, generally technical projects. And uh, there have been a few talking heads programs that I've done prior to this, where I talked a little bit about the dynamics of project management relative to some other work I was doing. But I, I want to focus specifically on the holy grail of project management, which is not what you think. The traditional approach to project management, the typical way that projects are managed, is that you put together a list of things that need to be done. You assign those things to different people to get them done, and uh, then they don't do them. <laughs> That's the joy of it. And for 15 or 20 years, I struggled with, as a project manager, a lot of projects I manage for a very large company where the project's members, the team members, actually didn't report to me. They reported to other people. Because I was a project manager, I didn't really have any direct control over anybody. But I did have the ability to get them excited about what they do. And that turned out to be what made the difference. And I'll give you an example. For one of the projects I worked on, the job, the task at hand was to outfit a data center. And uh, as some of you know, having looked at, well, you've seen TV shows that depict data centers. There are a lot of racks. Uh, computer equipment these days comes in rack mountable modules that are slid into these racks. Racks are about six feet tall and they line up side by side in a data center. And in typical project manager fashion, before we built this data center, we did some math and laid out the floor plan and decided that we'd need, I can't remember, but let's say 70 racks in order to hold all the equipment we needed at all. So we placed an order up front for 70 racks and we got them and we installed them and we did all that stuff. And then when we started putting things in these racks, we found out that we didn't, need, we didn't have enough of them. Now, the traditional project manager issue is 
uh, who's responsible for it? How come we didn't include it in the plan? Uh, who do I give? Who do, who do I hold to account? And accountability is a big word here. Uh, and uh, in other words, how do I shame and blame my way out of this problem? How do I find somebody that I can hang up and pillory uh, so that this problem never happens again and so that this problem actually gets resolved? That's traditional project management, which is why they call it project management. The project leadership, though, is a level higher. In project leadership, with when, when you're leading a project, um, what I've learned in my experience is that people don't follow the project leader. People follow what the project leader follows. That's a, you can generalize that statement. People don't, people don't want to do what you want them to do. People want to do the right thing. So a leader's responsibility is to try to articulate the right thing in a way that's so compelling and so clear that the people who work with the leader, and I don't want to say report to because that's not fair. Nobody wants to report to anybody. The people who work with that leader want what that leader wants. And when they do that, uh, they'll do anything to make it happen. So in this particular case, what I wanted was a fully outfitted, ready-to-go data center. What I didn't have were about five of the components I needed, about five racks that were missing from the original plan for various reasons. This happens all the time. So as a project leader, my job wasn't to find the guy who didn't buy enough racks. My job was to articulate that I was disappointed that we didn't have enough racks. And when I did that, what I found is that there's always somebody on the team that will go and get those racks for you. And the miracle of this is I, I think I articulated that on a Friday at our regular uh, meeting. Didn't blame anybody, didn't scream at anybody, didn't yell and jump up and down. I just said, looks like we're going to miss this milestone because we don't have enough racks. And when I came in on Monday, there were five racks. Now, I don't know where they came from. Uh, I did know who put them there, and uh, the person who put them there was somebody, was definitely an unsung hero, and this is another element. Every team has sometimes dozens or maybe even hundreds of members, and in most cases, 90% of the work is done by only 10% of them. No, 90% of the people who work on any team actually don't do the work. They're there and they're present and they do some of the work, but they're never really fully engaged. What you get out of them is maybe 20 or 30%. When you articulate your love for the end state, your vision for what it is we're building together, and you get people to fall in love with that vision, once they do, their participation rate goes from 20 or 30 percent to maybe 80 or 80 or 90 percent. And what I found was that two of the people on my team that I really didn't communicate much with, I knew them, and you know, we certainly talked. I didn't, I'd come not to expect much of them because I always kind of felt that they fell into that 90 percent who don't do it category. They went out and they found five racks. I still don't know where they got them. I still don't know who, who now is missing those five racks that I now have. But I do know that all of a sudden our data center was complete with five racks that were all, not, not just found and located, but geared up, outfitted, and dressed and ready on Monday morning. So then after that, my leadership job really was to celebrate that. My job as a leader was to celebrate this miracle and to make sure that everybody knew that it's not about doing what I want you to do. It's about doing the right thing because ultimately the right thing makes us all happy. And, and my commitment is to support you as you're doing the right thing in any way that I possibly can with whatever it is you might need. So it's about getting people to do the right thing. And this is an old Dale Carnegie quote. The only way to get people to do anything, really, Dale Carnegie said, 
was to make them want to do it. Now, what does this mean? It means that when you communicate with the members of your team, you typically communicate on the basis of the nature of the work. That is the list of things that need to be done and who they're assigned to. We, we live in a deconstructive world. We've created, especially in the West, a kind of deconstructive culture where we take things and break them down into parts because the parts are easier to manage than the whole. That's sort of our nature. What we do, what we overlook, though, when we do that is we overlook what motivates people. And what motivates people isn't necessarily that they know what needs to be done. It's that how they feel about what needs to be done, how they feel about the role they play. And I want to uh, quote Simon Sinek here, because in, in among the many things he said uh, that carry a pretty big wisdom payload, among those many things we can count on Simon to say over and over again, he once said that fit Fitting into a team or being a part of a family or being part of a company, being part uh, a part of USA Global TV, fit is a strong motivator, a very powerful motivator. Feeling like you belong somewhere is fundamentally motivating. And that's a feeling. That's not something you know. That's something you feel. And in family dynamics, if you've had kids, especially teenagers, I can tell you that your best days with your teenagers aren't that they did what you told them to do. It was that they did the right thing, whether you told them to or not. And that free will that people have, that people fight for, in fact, they'll struggle with you when you try to take it away from them. That free will, if it's properly aligned and directed, if it's aimed at the right target, that free will can be an incredibly powerful way to get things done. So it's not about having a to-do list of things of, of things that need to be done. It's uh, because inevitably when you when all you do is hold people accountable for getting those things done, they don't get done. And you end up with a project that isn't finished. The statistics are really clear on this. 80 or 90 percent of corporate initiatives either fail outright completely or they disappoint. They fail to meet their objectives or they run over budget or way over time. Uh, largely because the participants in those projects, the people who really whose job it is to make it happen, were never really engaged in the end state, never really fell in love with the work. So when we say connecting the head with the heart, what we mean is in building any kind of a strong team, you need to connect the way people feel about the work they do with what they know about the work they do. Now, how do we do that? Well, we've developed a process working, in fact, uh, in partnership with Presence Intelligence, We've developed a process that connects the head with the heart in what I think is a pretty innovative way. And I'll talk about the, the commercial offering uh, at the end of, of uh, this Talking Heads episode. But for now, I want to describe it in terms of something you might be, be able to do with your own team. So this is how you start. Next time you get your Zoom crew together and you're meeting virtually, instead of talking about the work, talk about love of the work. This is a way to do that. Ask everybody on your team to think about their team and all the work they do to really think deeply about the difference they make in the world collectively, what it is their team in their minds is chartered to do. Don't tell them what it's chartered to do. Ask them how they perceive that. Now, in the abstract, that's a very difficult question to answer because nobody really knows how. And, and whenever anybody tries to answer that question, what they're going to want to do because you're the project manager, because you're the team boss, what they're going to want to do is imagine what it is you have in your head by way of an answer template. They're going, to, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. But to get them to tell you the truth, there's an interesting spin you can put on this. 
Think about our team and what it does and the difference it makes in the world. Got that? Now, think about all of that, including all of us and all of the tools we use and all the methods we follow. Think about all of us as though we were a single person that you could meet at a party. Try to imagine all of that, all of who we are, as though we were, this is what we call, by the way, the incorporating question. So visualize all of us as though we were a single person doing our best work on our best day to keep all our promises and achieve all our goals. Now, we, I'm not just saying this off the, off the top of my head. For the last 10 years, we've been working consistently on a methodology that is based on, essentially triggered by that question. Who are we collectively when we're doing our best work on our best day? Who are we and what are we like? When you ask people to visualize that, they immediately begin to apply guardrails to it. They start giving you words back that describe the team as though it were a single person. And that collection of descriptions, that those descriptions that come back from everybody are the beginning of them telling you who they dream to become, what, mean, what fit means to them. What does it mean to fit in with this team? Fitting in with this team means that we're all dreaming the same dream. And this is important. Um, in fact, I'm noticing we're getting some interaction from the audience. Ricky McKenna, there we go. I think I can do that. Thank you, Ricky. Asking questions gets them involved. How do you create the right, right questions? Great question. And that's why I'm kind of offering this question as an example. Thank you, Ricky. I appreciate you uh, listening into this Talking Heads episode. Uh, how people feel about the work they do is at least as important as how they understand the work they do. And by asking them to personify that, to bring it to life in their heads, what you're doing is, is, is instead of tapping into the day-to-day -day work, you're tapping into the dream they all have for membership in this team and what they believe will cause them to become a good fit. Because what they really want to do is feel like they belong. And that means that they're all going to become energized around the idea of fitting in. And fitting in is about taking the answer to that question and converting it into a role model, somebody that we can all admire and respect. And the important thing about this is the role model that comes from everybody is not any of the bosses. It's not any of the people on the team. It's about who everybody wants to be more like, including the boss, which means that the answers to those questions, to that question, whether it comes from the people that own a company or it comes from the people who mop the floors and answer the phones, wherever you get an answer to that question, it is equally valid as anybody else's and equally as important. And when we talk about our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusiveness, what I mean by that is that we're giving everybody a chance to articulate a dream that they share with other people that they work with. And that articulation of that dream is naturally inclusive. It doesn't matter whether you just started yesterday or you've been there for 30 years. It doesn't matter whether you own the place or whether you work for the place. Whatever your rank, whatever your position, your answer to that question is just as good and equally valid as anybody else's answer, including the people you report to. And that's why in this Zoom meeting that you have where you ask this question, it's important that everybody feel as though they're equally participating, that there is no answer key in the head of the person who's asking that question. It's not about saying something you want to hear. It's about telling you the truth as I see it. And sharing that truth, I think, is the power of building a team. So we start with that incorporating question, which is really a kind of a key linchpin way of getting everything started. Then from there, we start building a team around the answers to that question. What you're going to get in this meeting are a whole lot of words that describe this role model that represents all of us. 
you're going to write those down. You might have a, if it's a Zoom meeting, you've got a whiteboard. If it's a, a meeting where everybody's present in a room, you've got a, a flip chart or a blackboard and nobody really cares how you write it down. They just care that you wrote it down. And what you'll end up with is a list of all these descriptions and you'll cross out any of the negatives, uh, any word that might be pejorative or that might be considered to be uh, uh, counterproductive. You'll cross those out. All we want are the positive aspects of everybody's dreams. Um, from a nursing team, you'll get back a lot of words like compassionate, empathetic, uh, caring. From a, a data analytics team, you'll get back a lot of words like uh, precise, exacting, methodical, scientific. From a management consulting firm, you'll get back a lot of words like driven and focused and on time and uh, budget oriented, right? And from a creative team, you'll get back a lot of words like creative and outside the box thinking. And you'll write all those down. And all those words characterize not just you or me, but us. And there's a pretty popular television show on NBC recently called uh, This Is Us. Well, that's the answer to the question, who are we? This is us. This is who we are. Not because this is what we do every day, but because this is what we want to do every day. This is what we really care about. This is what really matters to us. So all that is really critical and it starts the process. Now, those of you who may have watched other Talking Heads programs may remember that I've already described this, this process that we call brand and culture alignment that is based on four ways to organize the answers to that question. And uh, I'll talk about that in a second. What we're adding here, though, is something that comes from a, a discipline called presence intelligence, which was developed by Lisa Maniocchi, that focuses on who we are and how we present our love of the work we do into nine categories, nine things that we can adjust. And she developed it as a coaching tool because in her experience, extensive experience, she's certified in uh, uh, several coaching organizations. In her experience, these nine elements of coaching are the nine adjustments that people can make in order to become a better fit in their life, in their job, in their career, or on their team. Which means we're not talking about fit as something that you check boxes on to make sure that you actually fit something. It's not about, it's not like the Fisher-Price School of Management Science, where you've got holes that are different sizes and you're looking for pegs that fit them. The miracle of the human spirit is that when it sees a hole it wants to fit into, it can change its shape. People have the ability to become something bigger and better than themselves if they're properly motivated. Now, fitting in is something that we dream of, something that we aspire for ourselves, and something we can make happen for ourselves. In, in the case of presence intelligence, there are nine elements that I can adjust in order to accomplish that. I'll talk about that in a second. But here's the process. The process is you start with the incorporating question with your team. You ask everybody. Who are we when we're doing our best work on our best day? Visualize that. Make a person come to life in your head. What is that person like? And you write down all the words they give you to describe that person. And then the next step in the process is, okay, what is that person wearing? You get really specific about this. What is, how does that person dress every day? What's important to them? Uh, how do they appear? When they send an email, how do they word that email? How, how do they present themselves in writing? Uh, so that whole idea of how do they appear to the world, uh, how do they, how, what impression do they make in the world, that's all part of presence intelligence. And when you add that to the end of this, what you're getting now is a repertoire of behaviors that we can all express in order to demonstrate that, in fact, we have accomplished this goal 
of becoming a good fit for our team. Uh, appearance, speaking, when I talk to people, how do I speak? How do I present myself when I'm speaking with them? When I write things down, how do I present myself, not just now in the moment, but in the future? Because people will be reading this over and over again. Appearance, speaking, writing. Um, how do I relate to my finances? How important is health, my health to me? How important, how committed I am to my career, my profession? Those are all things that I can adjust and manage. And finally, the people in my life. Do I pick the right people? Do I interact with them properly? And what is my core character? If I described that as a member of this team, I need to be compassionate because that's our role model. The deep thinking on this is, in fact, is that one of my gifts? Can I develop that gift in myself? What, what do I have to do in order to demonstrate my compassion for somebody? And now all of a sudden what we have is a coaching model. What we've done is taken the job of building a team and instead of organizing it around the to-do list, the things that we need to accomplish, we now organize it around our hopes and dreams and what we want for ourselves, for each other, and for the world we serve. And that's why this is powerful. And I really don't care. And we say this all the time. I don't care whether you're SEAL Team 6 or the Girl Scouts of America. I don't care whether you're uh, uh, fifth grade of a middle school uh, somewhere or um, a creative uh, agency on Madison Avenue. Uh, I don't care what kind of team. I don't care what kind of work. Don't talk about the work. Talk about the love in this meeting. What is it about what we do that we love and that matters? Because that will motivate us to do the things on the to-do list. Also, and this is the miracle of a human spirit, the amazing thing about uh, a free will is that people sometimes will do not just what you ask of them, but often, and you want this more and more in your life, they will do the things that you didn't expect that are valuable, important contributions, even though you didn't explicitly ask for them. That is the miracle of project leadership. The miracle isn't that everybody did what I told them to do. The miracle is that everybody took their gifts and applied them as they saw fit and connected the way they feel about the work they did with what they knew had to be done. And that connection between the heart and, and the brain, between the heart and the mind, that connection created a whole human being who was a perfect fit for this team at this time and is 100% committed to making what, we, what our team does work. Now, so this is an exercise that you can do yourself. I'm not going to repeat it again. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, Dr. Jacqueline uh, always records these and you can always go back and, and watch again. It's the kind of meeting that anybody can, can conduct for their team and it naturally converts them from a project manager to a project leader without ever using those words. People become more inspirational. Uh, uh, the people become more engaged. All the things we say we want all of a sudden become things that we can do. And that's so important. As we always say in brand and culture alignment, culture isn't just something you talk about. Culture is something you do, how that, how that manifests. And... Um, so let me talk a little bit about the commercial offer and uh, I'll, I'll bring up a brochure that we're working on and everybody is welcomed, by the way, to uh, send an email to me. I'm easy to reach at al.cini, al.cini at getbcat.com. And thank you, Dr. Jacqueline. That's the uh, contact information there. Uh, the program that we've created is something called ProFit. Now, working 
independently on the two aspects of solving this problem. That is, how do we feel about the work we do and what is it we know about the work we do and where what we have to do to fit in more effectively? We've developed a program, co-developed a program called ProFit, the goal of which is to, is to develop a workshop that could be delivered in four hours. And one of the things our clients have told us is that often I have a Zoom meeting I need to conduct. I've got a team that I feel I, I want to reward for the excellent work they're doing and promote them to a higher level of performance. Or maybe I've got a project team that's struggling a little bit. I want to get it back on track. So we've developed a program called ProFit that applies all the steps that I've just described in the order that they need to be applied. And we can facilitate this for your team. And uh, the whole goal of it is to solve once and for all by getting people to solve it for themselves, the kinds of problems that people report all the time, uh, buck passing, gossip, disrespect, the things that make a team fail are things that people do when they don't feel like they fit in when they don't feel connected with each other and with the purpose that they collectively serve. The goal really of ProFit is to solve that problem by aligning everybody on a team with the purpose they serve and connecting them with each other on the strength, the power of the fact that we're connecting the way they feel about that work, the purpose they serve with the way, with what they know needs to be done about that work. And, uh, the amazing thing about it is it all fits within a half a day. So, you know, what we found is that an awful lot of our clients want a solution that can fit inside of an offsite meeting or that can fit inside of a regular monthly meeting. And ProFit is our attempt to combine the best of the brand and cultural alignment toolkit with the best elements of uh, presence intelligence to provide people with an experience that actually gets them what we just described. And that people who are listening can start by way of just asking that incorporating question at the beginning of, the ne of their next Zoom meeting. Now, that gets me to the end of this Talking Heads, and I really appreciate everybody who's listened in and everybody who's uh, paid attention. And, uh, and I can't tell you how much power there is. It's like a lightning storm happens. When you connect the way people feel about the work they do with what they know about the work they do, when you really, then all of a sudden things start to click and things start to happen and, and amazing things get done. And um, you know, and that's a terrific experience for everybody. I can tell you as a well shop worn, let's put it that way, project manager, until I learned how to lead a project, it was always a very difficult experience of blaming and shaming people. Once I learned the magic of leadership, which is to get people to fall in love with the work, not everybody, but most of them, then all of a sudden they just did the work. And my job as a leader then was to follow behind them with the rewards and recognition and appreciation that they needed to keep them motivated and, and encourage them to continue on to the next step. And that's how, that's how we landed where we landed. And uh, that's why they kept me around as long as they did. So I hope this is helpful to you. And I really appreciate Dr. Jacqueline this opportunity to explain. And thank you, Ricky. I appreciate you tuning in. And uh, it is a different way of looking at things. Connect with me on LinkedIn, by the way, Ricky. I'm easy to find. If we're not already connected, uh, go ahead and send me a connection request and, and let's start talking. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in today.